Hi, this is Dr. Adrian. Welcome to Health Bite, the podcast where we explore all things health and wellness. Hi, and welcome back to Health Bite, our podcast where we talk about all things health and wellness and hopefully teach you small actionable steps, small bites to improve your health and wellness. Today, I am really excited to have with us Dr. Jessie Mahoney. She is a board certified pediatrician, also a certified life and relationship coach, and a yoga and mindfulness instructor. So Jessie, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Of course, it's such a great um, eclectic and yet unifying background that you have. And um, I would love, given your expertise, to focus today a little bit on relationships. We were talking before we started about how relationships have become taxed um, in the last, uh, well, almost a year now, as we have sheltered at home to some degree or other. Um, Wives and husbands are working together from home. Um, Children are schooling from home. And so there's a lot more togetherness, which can be beautiful and can be messy at the same time and challenges our relationships, right? One of my favorite things to say is there's beauty in the mess. Yes. Um, And I myself have um, three, well, I have a teenager and two young adults and a husband. So I totally get it. And I do think um, COVID has really taxed relationships and there's this added stress on relationships that actually had a lot of stress in our culture anyway, to be honest. We have a lot of expectations of ourselves and other people and how they should all behave. And so adding in this COVID stress and having to spend so much time together, you actually mentioned it is like a a gift and a privilege because we we all wanted to spend so much more time with our loved ones and now we have it and maybe we don't want to spend so much time. And so some of it, all of it really is our mindset about it and choosing how we want to approach it and seeing it perhaps as a gift rather than as a challenge with all of the challenges like gifts come with good parts and bad parts. And so I like to have people really choose with intention how they want to approach the situation because I see a lot of particularly parents getting caught in the muck of how difficult it is and how hard it is. And yes, it is difficult, but that thought doesn't necessarily help us. And so that's where in the coaching, deciding how you want to show up for it and really focusing on what's in your control and what's not in your control, which is a coaching concept we use a lot, can just change your whole experience of it. I think it would be helpful if we could start by maybe talking about some of the challenges that you're hearing from people. I think everybody knows what their own unique challenges are, but it's helpful always to recognize, we talked about this in this last podcast we recorded today, the common humanity of it, right? That the challenges that we have, while they feel very personal, are not necessarily unique to us. They're very universal often. And then maybe from that, you can talk about like you said, mindset and how we approach these challenges and the way we view them and address them. I think talking about relationships first with children would be helpful too, right? Since since you are a pediatrician, we can start there. Yeah, I think 
What's really interesting, I think that everyone's experience is actually probably somewhat universal. If we look at, we all want people to act in a certain way and we want things to go a certain way and we want the homeschooling to go a certain way and we want our teenagers to be approaching whatever they may be doing a certain way. And so COVID has changed all the ways in which we do things and all the expectations that we had. And so we used to have so many expectations about where our kids would go and what they should be doing and how they should be behaving. And um, I was just telling you that my neighbors are actually in their backyard with their two small children. It's lunch break from homeschooling. And they've had to upend their whole life in terms of the mom is now staying at home and not working. And he helps out at lunch, but he's working from home, for example. So everything has changed. And the beauty of that is that we can be more flexible about it. But our minds still go back to our old ways of how things should be. And so in relationship coaching, which I think really changes the way that you approach everything, is this flexibility around the shoulds. And what should be happening, nothing in our world is happening as it should these days. And so when we look at our relationships with others and we apply our old shoulds or manuals is what we call it in coaching about how other people should act or behave, we just get make ourselves unhappy. And so being more flexible around how everything is working. I notice a lot of people have frustration around the way the school should be doing things or the way their spouse should be approaching the homeschooling or the way the children should be. And so when you can get past the should and just get into the what is and accept it, it can be really, really powerful. And this idea of accepting is um, one of the most helpful concepts I find in coaching, but it's not just accepting being resigned and being unhappy about it. You can either do one of two things accept but not like, which is one that I love in COVID, right? You can accept that there's homeschooling, accept that you're trying to work with toddlers and you can't go out to all the places you used to go to and they're not getting the same stimulation, but you don't have to like it. You can just accept it. And when you learn to do that, you just get rid of that resistance to reality that creates so much tension in houses and relationships. And when you do that, everyone is so much healthier and so much happier. And there's an ease in the relationships and in, it's not just your relationships in COVID, I think like in your home space, which feels much more confined than it used to. And so that's this accept, but not like is an incredibly powerful tool. The other one that strikes me in this COVID moment is really useful is accept and allow. And that's like your own frustration about it. So of course you're frustrated when you're trying to balance all of these things that are really difficult to balance. And of course you're frustrated. I have a 15 year old who keeps trying to change the rules and figure out how he can meet his friends and how he can do things. And you know why all the conversations, just all the things as we like to say. And so I can accept and allow that it's frustrating that he's gonna keep asking me. Um, rather than think he just shouldn't keep asking me. Now I just say, oh, of course he's asking me again because that's what he does every Friday, he asks, thinking maybe it will change this Friday, you know? And so the, of course, is so helpful. Like, of course, your husband's frustrated. Of course, your child is asking again. Of course, the situation hasn't changed. It creates this like sense of spaciousness in your chest that just allows you to breathe a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The the acknowledging of the circumstance and the um, not pushing against it, but allowing it 
You're right. It's a mindset that allows you to kind of be with it with a little less frustration, a little less resistance, a little less anger, maybe. And also the shoulds, right? Um, not having judgment about it. And I get all of that. But what about, you know, the true um, challenge um, for women in particular, many of whom have professions or maybe they don't, but they're still busy moms who were doing a lot of things before all this happened. And now their to-do list has quadrupled and their husband may or may not be in the home, but even if they are, it's, um, you know, useless or not useful, let's say, in managing that load. Where where are the actionable um, you know, actionable ways in which we can address what we can control to your point. Yeah. Well, and what comes to mind when you said that is there isn't that much in that situation that we can control. If you think about it, except for perhaps getting your husband to help if he's there or a partner to help, or I think a lot of people have come up with creative solutions around pods or care or how they're, how they're going to manage it. But in this instance, when so much is out of our control, because really, I, I know that what everyone wants me to, to give you is the answer of, oh, there's a solution here and try this and try that. And to be honest, it looks different for every single family. And I didn't actually think I was going to say this, but I honestly think that the best solution is to accept and allow the situation as it is and just be like, wow, this is a, you know, a pandemic moment. And it isn't going to look perfect. And so grace and compassion for you as a mom and for everyone in this scenario, like perhaps your to-do list, look at your to-do list. And this is one of the things I work on with people in coaching as a, um, like an absolute to-do list or a want to-do list, like make sure everything on there is truly a want. And I actually don't like it's a need. It's like, you want to do it because it has to be done to keep things going, but pare down your to-do list, pare down your expectations and shift your mindset to be like, this is a once in a lifetime time period, and we're going to do the best we can. I think so many moms in particular, um, and for women physicians in particular, really high functioning professionals, they have these expectations of themselves and expectations of how it should all be and letting go of some of those expectations and one of my favorite things is grace and compassion. Like if your kids are having a temper tantrum, it's just grace and compassion in that moment. Like it will pass and this will pass. And for them and for yourself, right? Exactly. Exactly. Really for yourself, most of all in that situation, we so often want other people to change and what we can control is our own reaction to it. So in the same situation, like moms with all of this stuff, and there's so much, yes, get whatever help you can, but if you shift it, or um, I'm also kind of a minimalist, like make your to-do list a minimalist to-do list. What is absolutely necessary and focus on that. And then even just changing your thoughts about it. So it's a want to-do list. Like, are there things on there that don't need to be done? And anything, a lot of people say, well, laundry is not a want to do, but it is a want to do because you need clothes, right? And you want clean clothes, but it's like, how does it have to be done? And what can you shift around in your mindset so that things work? And the idea is sometimes people feel like if I get rid of my expectations or things won't work out as well, but when you let go of things, things actually tend to work out better. And so creating space for things to just be a little bit different than they used to be and allow that. And um, 
you mentioned something else, which is in one thing you had said, which is curiosity, like just curiosity about the situation and rather than resisting. So when I heard you say all the things in the mom list, right, it just creates all this tension in your chest, even as I heard you list it. And it's like curiosity about the moment. Well, here I am in this moment. What can I control? What, and then what can't I control? And then the other category, which is really where your strength is, is what am I trying to control that's out of my control? And you gotta let all that go because that we spent all of our energy there. And if we shifted our energy to what's actually in our control, we have so much more energy to deal with the huge long list. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so many pearls in, in what you mentioned that I want to follow up on. Um, the first being that, well, the expectations, I think, is a big one because I also find that instead of paring down our expectations during this time, if anything, especially at the beginning of all of this, we were ramping up expectations, right? Because the whole um, mantra out there was, oh, well, we're home now and we're not doing the same things we used to do. And so therefore the house needs to be remodeled and we need to make perfect dinners every night and we should all be engaging in self-help and right. And so there was, and reading books every day. And so it was like, in a sense, the expectations really ramped up significantly. And I don't think that's what's happening for people, right? I mean, it is what you see on Instagram and the courses that you get sent via email. Um, but by and large, people feel or have felt overwhelmed and rightfully so and, and need space for just that overwhelm, which includes not being productive, not having the expectation of productivity during this time. My sense is at this point, people have shifted and there is more of an acceptance of where we are and what's possible and that things, you know, it's interesting if you had asked a year ago, if we all thought we would still be here now, we would never have thought that, right? And so now people are like, wow, well, I guess we're still here. And so maybe I do need to begin to adapt. I, so I sense, at least for the parents in particular, that they've had to adapt by necessity, but to allow that and to be comfortable with it and to own it and to honor it and to honor that, you know, you can only do the best that you can in the moment with what you've got and what we've got in this moment looks so different than what we had in so many moments and releasing that expectation is where your freedom is and, and your health, right? When we resist it and we're stressed and we're upset and we're not meeting our expectations, we feel bad, then that has all of these other consequences down the line that we don't need any of us. Yeah. And, you know, to really relate this to health, because sometimes we talk about these touchy-feely subjects and people don't recognize how directly it impacts our health. And the whole concept that our sympathetic or fight and flight nervous system reacts to stress in the same way um, and is, cannot discriminate between kind of evolutionary stress, which was classically people talk about tigers chasing us uh, versus present stress, which is the constant and chronic dishes that are piled up in the sink because everyone's home. These are perceived by the body as, a, as the same kind of stress and it stimulates an increase in heart rate, a tightening of the blood vessels, um, right? Narrowing of the eyes. <laughs> There's all of these physiologic consequences um, to chronic stress, which really was created to respond to acute stress, tiger, 
heart rate goes up, get out of danger, move on. But now people are living in this chronic stress situation, which does have very negative impacts on their health and well-being. Well, and that's the power of the mindset is that when you shift your mindset, you can shift the stress level without changing any of the circumstances. And I think that's what really comes to mind with the crazy busy mom in this moment, right? That's what's in our power is shifting our mindset and changing our experience of that situation. And it may seem like, wow, that's impossible. And yet so many people have really had success with that. And it's not another thing on your to-do list. It's actually to make your to-do list shorter and to make it more easeful with that idea that you can really, um, in this work, whether it's mindfulness, which we talked a bit about, or mindset with intention, to me, it's noticing. And that's where the mindfulness comes in. You have to notice that you're stressed and you have to notice where it's coming from and then pause and take a deep breath and go from there. And that's the, the piece that if you don't notice it and you just continue to react all the time without being intentional about your mindset and how you're showing up for it and whether you're even taking a moment to take a deep breath, that's something we can all do, whether our child's having a temper tantrum or you know we're running from place to place, whatever the situation might be. I think it goes back to what you said before of letting go. And I think this sounds sometimes esoteric to people. I think, um, you know, it's like, what can you let go when you're so, you have so much angst and rightfully so about what's going on. But it's true that in that moment that you can just, you know, let go the fact that you're in this situation with your child or I'm thinking dishes because I'm envisioning the dishes that are awaiting me, you know. Um, but you can let go. And it does, if people notice, they can recognize in themselves, even that change in physiology, people notice or can notice the heart rate go down. They can notice the muscles, the tension in the neck muscles. So, you know, our, our shoulders are raised up in that moment. But when you let go, you literally can notice the tension in the muscles um, relaxing. And so it can be really actionable. Yeah. Well, and it struck me when you talk about the dishes, right? Your whole voice changes because you make your brain makes dishes are stressful, right? You can just hear it in the tone of voice. And so, but what if the dishes are not a problem? They're just dishes, right? And, but your brain has given them all this power. And then your brain thinks these thoughts about the dishes and you have stress in your chest and then your whole physiology changes and all kinds of things happen. And so the work is to look at the dishes in a different way and say, well, those are just dishes and they will get done someday or to not worry that they're not done. You get to choose. And then the other point you brought up, uh, yes, I get to choose to a certain extent. The other thing is, can you wash the dishes and practice mindfulness and breathe at the same time, right? You can wash the dishes with angst and stress, or you can wash the dishes and notice the soap suds and experience it and have it be a lovely moment. And that you're still washing them and you still have beautiful dishes at the end. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I joke about the dishes just because it's, it's all the moms you talk to right now are talking about how they're constantly cooking because everyone's home. There's constant dishes, but the reality is jokes aside that these action items on our to-do list, these are things that actually can give us some respite. And I do find respite in, in dishes or even folding laundry because you feel like you're doing, so you're purposeful, but it's repetitive and it's kind of mindless and it allows you to just sink in and not, and, and again, let go, right? Not get 
agitated for that moment or engaged in that moment in whatever it is that you were doing. And I wonder, I know we wanted to talk about yoga and parasympathetic nervous system. It really triggered that because, you know, I think many people think of yoga as this, as exercise and a way to get strong or as a task to do. And it's really an opportunity to hone your parasympathetic nervous system or the rest one, the rest and restore, and to tamp down your your sympathetic fight or flight have the tiger chase you. And so it's a specific conscious practice to make that be more of your unconscious wiring so that you don't constantly flip into the sympathetic or the the stress. And if you do, you have tools where you can help yourself get out of it much more quickly. I'm interested um, before we dive into that, how as a physician and a pediatrician, you even got interested in yoga and becoming certified. Yeah. I will tell the story as a um, physician. Well, first of all, I grew up in Berkeley, so it's kind of a crunchy granola background uh, to start. And then um, I had actually dabbled in yoga through medical school and all of my um, medical career. But my other role, in addition to being a pediatrician, was as a physician wellness leader. And so I was always looking into different wellness modalities. And I love all kinds of um you know, other natural ways and homeopathic approaches to medicine as well. And, but what happened a few years ago is I hit a point where I was quite burnt out and I had some family struggles and people at home who needed more support. And so at the time I had three teenagers and a number of leadership roles. And so I went back to yoga, as I say, even though I had been in and out, but I went back and I went back probably almost daily for a while, because when I went back and just started to take a few deep breaths, I started to feel so much better. And what happened through that practice of yoga was that I was able to show up intentionally and just deal with all of the other stressors in my life so much more effectively that it's almost, um, it just changed the whole way I think about things. And at the same time as when I got into coaching, I, I do need to say that because they work in parallel for me. And so I was working with a coach and I was going to yoga all the time. And by the time I finished my own coaching, I had signed up to be a yoga instructor because I thought that it had made such a difference for me personally. And it isn't so much like yoga is not about standing on your head or doing handstands. It's really a, an approach to life and a, a a slower, more intentional, more purposeful approach with a lot of concepts about how you treat yourself and treating yourself well. In medicine, we talk about ahimsa, which is do no harm to others. Ahimsa, or well, in the Hippocratic Oath, it's do no harm to others. And in yoga, it's ahimsa, which is do no harm to others and yourself. And one of the things that I learned in yoga is this idea of self-compassion and grace and compassion and taking care of yourself. And that when we take care of ourselves, we can so much better take care of others. And that goes right back to the relationships, right? When we put on our own oxygen mask first, especially during a pandemic, we can be a better parent and a better spouse. And we can show up with spaciousness for whatever conflict or stress might be going on. And so for me, it became just this place where I could breathe and grow and heal and nourish myself. So I did my yoga teacher training and now I teach yoga 
very regularly, even on Zoom, rather than in yoga class, because that's or in yoga studios, because that's what we can do now. But it's really much more about your um, philosophy and approach to life and approach to other people and approach to your health, very much in this sort of slow, take good care of yourself, nourish yourself. It's a way we were talking about letting go. And when you said that, that's where my mind went right back to yoga, because yoga is all about letting go, letting go of tension, whether it's in the muscles or in your chest or in using the breath to breathe in goodness and breathe out all the stuff you don't need is what I'd like to say. Yeah. And I, you know, earlier you talked about how these things are processes uh, or processes. And oftentimes we want actionable items or we want one, two, three. And it's the same for, you know, my work in weight loss. Oftentimes patients come in and they're like, just tell me what to do. Like, give me the five steps to lose weight and let's be done with this. And yes, you can talk about protein and you can talk about meal replacements and exercise, but in the end, it is a process. There is, um, you know, there is a process that's very unique to each individual person. And, um, and the same is true for this, but, but at the same time, in speaking about the yoga, there is something actionable there, right? So in that moment of actually practicing the yoga, there is that parasympathetic response. So there is that, that in that moment, the breathing and the stretching and the presence does trigger or turn on that uh, rest and relax part of the sympathetic nervous system, which then feeds back to the brain and to the heart to slow everything down. And then there is this kind of side effect that you get with meditation and other similar practices where I think unbeknownst to the person, it trickles into their daily lives and allows you, to your point, to let go of certain things that you may have otherwise been conditioned to hold on to. Yeah. Well, and in my experience, um, and this is the way that I teach yoga, but I was also taught to teach yoga, we actually use it even more directly. So we actually talk during the practice about letting go and using a lot of visualizations. You know, you are stretching your hamstrings, but as you breathe into your hamstrings, you're connecting with stressful things that you want to let go. And if you think about the intention, we start yoga with an intention at each class, which is a wish or an aspiration, but it can also be seen as like a goal. It's not, the goal is not standing on your head, but the goal is to think about how you, we often talk about yoga on the mat and off the mat and how you want to show up after class. And so it is a very intentional, it's, it brings movement in the body into it, which is nice, but it's very intentional about how you want to approach your life and what you want to let go. And even, um, you know, poses that are hard, it's how will you approach a challenge and what works for you. And it's very much about being curious about yourself and your body without judgment. What are some other um, practices that you engage in, if you do, that give you this kind of support? So, well, for me, Coaching and yoga are my favorites. The other thing for me is um, I'm a fan of mindful living as opposed to mindfulness. So I'm not like a meditator. I walk on the beach. Um, and so I call it noticing nature. Um, and it's just, it's like I show up on the beach and immediately my whole physiology changes. So it's about noticing, um, feeling the fresh air, smelling the smells, 
just noticing what you see, what you hear, all of that. And so for me, that's a big one. And the other one that I love is I call it also mindful minimalism. And it's not minimalism because it's not about having, not having things, but it's like that clutter free experience of life. And whether that's stuff or whether that's emotional clutter, which is a lot of the baggage and mind chatter we talk about in yoga as mind chatter, or we talk about in relationships is usually that angst or what you want someone else to do. Learning to let go of all of that has been really powerful for me. Yeah, I like that you bring that up. And that's exactly what my question uh, was aimed at, which was that we talk about mindfulness a lot. And oftentimes that becomes synonymous with mindfulness meditation. And meditation, I think, while aspirational, is a difficult bite for some people. And yoga may also be a difficult bite for some people. But I like that we're talking about it because we want to stretch people's imagination to try things that might be difficult or that they haven't tried before. But it can also be a walk on the beach. It can also be um, journaling practice. Um, There are a lot of ways in which people can achieve this. I do that yoga, it doesn't have to be a big bite. A lot of people think I've never been to yoga. It's going to be hard. And what I tell people is if you can breathe, you can go to yoga. Um, and so you can sit on your mat and if all you do is breathe, that's acceptable. There's just like in mindfulness, you can't do anything wrong in yoga. People think that, you know, if you can't do this pose or you can't touch your toes that you shouldn't go. And it's one of the most accepting ways of moving your body and getting started. So if you just show up, yoga is one of those very welcoming things. And in this moment, there's an even more beautiful concept of yoga, which is that almost all of it's done online or in Zoom. So nobody's watching you. You don't have that comparison to the person next to you who may have been coming for a while. It's a chance to just be curious about yourself and what you can do. So I I really encourage, I teach classes to this idea that like anybody can join and you don't have to do all the things. You just do what you can do. The whole point of yoga is to notice what works for you and what doesn't. And so often in our culture, we don't do that. We just do what we think we're supposed to. And so it's one of the few places where you pause and are really thoughtful about, does this work for me? Does it not? This isn't right. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) This is not comfortable. I'm not going to do it. And it isn't about pushing yourself. It's about being with yourself, which is very different than many other forms of exercise. I was thinking also about what you said about weight loss. And I just, I want to share that for me, when I did yoga and I did my coaching, I actually lost 50 pounds, not like I did need to lose the weight. I had all the weight was stress. Um, I had been through a really difficult period and I ate to feel better. But what I found was when you are more thoughtful and mindful and intentional and you're caring about yourself and you're doing no harm to yourself, you don't eat chocolate to feel better. You go for a walk on the beach or you go to yoga class because you feel better, not because you're pushing yourself or burning certain number of calories, but because you've calmed your nervous system and you can take deep breaths. And then you're just much more spacious about how you approach your life. And it becomes not this reactiveness. Obviously you also make healthier choices. There's a lot of other components to it. I think a huge piece of it is being comfortable with who you are and comfortable 
as we're getting back to relationships with who you live with, like all of that angst tends to lead to other behaviors that, you know, aren't as healthy for you. How is that? Yeah. Toxic relationships, right. Or toxic viewing of relationships. It's true that, you know, when we focus on weight loss, we really focus on uh, the trees, you know, like how many cups of this or how many palms of the hand or, you know, negotiating, can I have dessert? Can I not have dessert? How many times a week can I have dessert? And it really is a mindset. And I often describe this to patients as like a switch, you know, that when that switch triggers in the opposite direction, the way you approach it is differently. It becomes less about negotiating this piece of chocolate for that piece of broccoli, but really about dialing into how you feel and to be able to um, to be able to recognize the long term, the short term versus the long term feeling. So those things that you're describing, like the mindfulness, um, it helps do the same thing that the chocolate does. There's the same dopamine hit. The only difference is that with the chocolate, it's immediate and then it goes away, which then makes us more reactive and reactionary, wanting more. Whereas that that more long-term dopamine hit is more sustainable and durable. And so if we can just get past that initial immediate response and go for what makes us feel well in the long run, aligning with what makes us feel well, a shift does occur where, and I've seen it too, people will lose, like you said, 50 pounds. And it sounds, I think when people are in the thick of it, like, ask, you know, like, it doesn't make sense. How's that possible? But it, it happens. And yoga is one of the key things about it is learning to notice how you feel. And that's what you mentioned. It's slowing down enough to really notice how you feel and notice what feels good and what doesn't and being able to tap into that. That's, I think, why it's such a powerful way to approach your health. We talk, I like to also talk about comfort food because we've labeled certain foods as comfort. And in the moment, it gives us kind of elation when we consume it. But usually comfort foods don't feel comfortable in the long run, right? You feel heavy, you feel groggy, you feel maybe um, your sugar crash happens or the fat in your stomach makes you feel sleepy. And so tuning in, like you said, to how you feel and really questioning what does that mean, comfort food. I think people start to realize that if you align with how you feel, it's not really comfortable in the end. That reminded me of this idea of nourishing yourself and thinking of things that nourish you that aren't food. And so for me, yoga nourishes me that we call it in the end of yoga is Shavasana, which is the um, relaxation pose. And it is like one of the best feelings in the world. And so it's like, that is so nourishing or walking on the beach is so nourishing. And so what getting in touch with what really nourishes you and doing more of that. I think um, you may have turned some people on to this concept of yoga, right? And it being available for really anybody. And it sounds like you've really aligned that with mindset around relationships Um, So for people who are interested in doing more of this practice or getting their foot in the door, I know you do a lot of practices, as you said, online. So how can people find you? Yeah, they can find me. I run a business called Pause and Presence. 
And so I do mindset coaching through that and a lot of mindful relationship coaching. And I also teach yoga there. So if you go to my website, which is www.jessiemahoneymd.com and it's Jesse with an IE, you can also type in pause and presence and you should be able to find me there. And there's a yoga tab there so you can find out a bit more about how to do yoga with me. And um, I also actually have yoga on YouTube if people want to check it out. It's just my name. And so you can try those out. I always tell people you're doing it um, at your own risk because when you're doing it at home, you don't have a teacher monitoring you. But the thing about yoga is learning to understand what works for you and taking responsibility for your own health and your own body and how you feel. And so I would definitely encourage people to try that. And I would um, love to have any of you reach out to me through pause and presence and look into working on your mindset and working on your approach to life. I like to say like, if you can approach your life like a yoga class, whether it's your parenting or your relationship or your work or how you eat, life is much better that way. Yeah, that's great. It's a great note to end on. Thank you so much. We'll be sure to put your information in the show notes. And um, I think that you've given us some some options to get our foot in the door uh, on all of this. So thank you for your time and for your expertise. It was a fun conversation. Thanks for having me. It was fun. 